Hello and welcome to the Mind Springs podcast with me, Alastair Appleton. I hope you enjoy what you hear, and if you'd like to find out more about us, then visit mind-springs.org. And so in, in classic uh, Vajrayana Buddhism, purification, as I mentioned, is really central. And in the Nundra, which are these practices, practices that people do when they enter the Vajrayana, there's this one practice called Vajrayana, um, Vajrasattva, where you visualize not an egg, but you, you visualize a white Buddha on your head, the quintessence of awareness and compassion, sometimes with his female partner, so male and female. And they are filled with this golden light, uh, this silvery white light, and then it drops down through the lotus, which is on top of your head, through your body. And at the same time as you're doing that, you're chanting a hundred-syllable mantra over and over again. So it's this very beautiful practice. Um, and, it's, and it's also very non-cognitive. And my thinking mind is always like, hmm, so what's happening here? You know, how is this happening in terms of neurobiology? And what's happening here in terms of my psychology? And the, and the kind of brilliance of these Tibetan traditions is that you have to do it 108,000 times, <laughs> which means that all your thoughts about this practice, all your, oh, this is what it's about. Oh, now I get, oh, I see. Now, clever them, it's about this. They all just get washed away. Like it goes on and on until you suddenly click. Oh, it's like, okay, I've just got to stop thinking about this. Got to just surrender. <clears throat> and this amazing thing happens where just by doing it so many times, there's a kind of, excuse me, there's a sort of shift. Not in the content. It's not like my life has changed. I have, still have the same body, a bit older. Um, <clears throat> or, or even really my thoughts or my emotions. They're all pretty much the same. But the sort of space around them becomes much more clear, much more lucid. And that I'm much less judgmental of them, much more, there's much less storyline around all the things that happen. <clears throat> so I'll keep you posted. It's got, probably got another year and a half to go. So, um, so who knows what will happen at the end. But a midway report is that there's this very lovely sense of organic shift. There's a shift that's sort of beyond concept, certainly beyond my thinking mind. That, you know, day to day I'm like, oh, things feel a bit more spacious, a bit more simple, a bit less, you know, fussy. And uh, so I've been reading a lot of um, wonderful Buddhist teachers around this uh, subject. And uh, one of them, Lama Yeshe, not the Lama Yeshe that you all know and love, but Lama Tubton Yeshe, who was a great, um, very inspiring, uh, young Tibetan um, teacher who died... I think in his late 40s, so he was very young when he died, back in the 80s. But fortunately, left a. He was a, again. If you haven't ever seen Lama Lama Yeshe, you should definitely check him out on YouTube. He's an extraordinary, beaming, very odd um, human being. Um, and he's luckily his students transcribed a lot of his Dharma talks, which are really really brilliant. And the thing that he comes back to again and again and again in the, about the purification is that we're not purifying anything. It's no thing. We're purifying ideas. We're purifying the idea, particularly, <clears throat> you know, the first level of purification is really purifying all these 
negative stories we have about yourself. I hate myself, or I'm so brilliant, or I don't, you know, I, you know, I don't care about other people. You know, all the kind of these negative stories, they kind of get washed away. <clears throat> but the second level and the most important level is the storyline that you are not fully enlightened and a Buddha right now gets washed away. And this, <coughs> Lama Yeshi points out, and many other people, Minja Rinpoche says the same thing, this is the, the key element in Tibetan purification. We have, for various reasons, we have drifted further and further and further away from the direct knowledge that we are already sitting here in this room in Cardiff, fully enlightened. That the core of us, even with our aches and pains and our stories and our aging and our sickness and whatever, <clears throat> the core of us is in a state of perpetual bliss, wisdom and openness. And yet we have forgotten that. Through endless repetition of storylines and beliefs about ourselves, we have got further and further away from that direct core experience. He has a dis wonderful description where he says, you know, we're thinking about, you know, in the practice of Vajrasattva, you, you imagine eventually that you are the Buddha. You are fully blissful, enlightened and open. And he says, for most of us in our head, <clears throat> we have this, we have millions of chickens <clears throat> clucking away saying, it's impossible, it's impossible, it's impossible. And then we have millions of snakes hissing, it's impossible, it's impossible, it's impossible. And then we have millions of pigs grunting, it's impossible, it's impossible, impossible. And he says, overall, we have, through our life, we've made billions of whispers telling us that it's impossible, impossible, impossible. And we believe it. <clears throat> and the magic of purification is to slowly, like kind of water carving a hole through limestone, is to slowly erode that very erroneous belief that we are not, in fact, fully enlightened right now. And what's very potent about it, I think, is the sense that in the text, when you, when you read the text, it says, um, you know, you, you confess your, you know, the violation, all the kind of, all the endless stories and things that you've done that have kind of concretized this sense that you're a bad person or that, you know, you're suffering and there's, you know, this, well, you know, they call them sins. Again, that rings lots of alarm bells for people. But it's all the kind of lies we tell ourselves or the stories we tell ourselves that negate our core Buddhahood. And being Tibetan Buddhists, of course, they don't just talk about this life. They talk about every life that you've ever had, all your countless um, incarnations. So numberless lives. You've been, these pigs and chickens and, and snakes have been kind of perpetuating this propaganda. So it's been going on for you know, millions of years, maybe. But at the end of the practice, Vajrasattva, the Buddha goes, boom! All the obscurations are gone. You're completely cleansed and purified. Everything from all your past lives has gone. Boom! 
And even doing it, you know, in the early stages, even doing it now, there's this sense of like, oh, amazing. <laughs> Wouldn't that be amazing if like all the things that I worry about, all the things, the pressure from my parents and their parents, all the genetic, all the cultural things, they were just dissolved like that. And there's a lovely quote from... Um, Tulka Urjan, who's uh, Minja Rinpoche's and Sotli Rinpoche's father, who says, um, you only need one match to burn a room full of dry grass. And in fact, it's Tulopa who says, you know, one torch can dispel many eons of darkness. You only have to turn the light on once in a dark room for everything to be different. And there's this sense that it's, that it's not so gradual after all, but actually they can go boom. And like, just for a second maybe, you have this sense of everything being cleared. Darkness, the light came on. And then, you know, you get out of the, your meditation stool and you stub your toe and you know, slowly the, the stories come back. But that gap where you're kind of open seems to, be, seems to get longer or get more luminous or something happens in it, which is really magical. Thank you for listening and please do join us again for more podcasts from MindSprings. You can find out more about us and our work at mind-springs.org. That's mind-springs.org.